2 Timothy chapter 2, and I know we've had a lot of preliminaries this evening, but I want to get right to the Word of God. So if you'll follow along, verse number 1, we're talking in chapter 2 about practical ministry. In the book of 2 Timothy, Paul is at the end of his life, just a few days from probably being a martyr and passing away at the hands of the Roman Empire and Caesar. He has been arrested many times. It's not his first rodeo. He has been in shipwrecks. He's been beaten with rods, beaten with the cat of nine tails or other uh, instruments of torture. He suffered greatly, but he had been used of God greatly. And he's thinking about his young protege, Timothy. And he writes to him a letter and he challenges him personally in chapter one. He references his mom, his dad. He references um, his uh, ordination and the gift that God has given him. And he speaks to him personally in chapter 1. He tells him about a man named Onesiphorus who had been used of God to strengthen and refresh the work of the Lord there. Chapter 2, he gives a practical challenge. And he gives several illustrations, which we'll go through in just a moment. Chapter 3, he gives him a perilous day challenge. He says, look, it's not going to be a walk in the park. There's going to be numerous things that are going to be against you. There's going to be selfish sinners. There's going to be sexual sinners. There's going to be uh, a, a strive for intellectual um, worship. He said, but it's going to be stopped. And this world in its worst state is going to need four things. It's going to need somebody who has got a good testimony. It's going to need somebody who not only has a good testimony, but somebody who is willing to endure hardness and go through difficult times. He's another thing this world's going to need is someone who won't quit, but will continue in the things which you've seen and heard and been assured of. And the last thing is going to need somebody who is committed to the scriptures. Because through the scriptures, we learn how to be saved. We learn how to be seasoned or mature. We learn how to be successful and profitable. And also we learn how to serve and to be equipped for every good work. And then in chapter 4, he gives him his parting challenge. And he says, look, Timothy, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm going to hand this off. You've got to preach the word. You've got to be instant in season, out of season. Don't be afraid to reprove, to rebuke, and exhort and encourage with all longsuffering and stay true to Bible doctrine. And then he goes on to begin to recommend other people that he has served the Lord with. He tells him his current state, and then he tells him where everybody has gone, to Titus, to Dalmatia, and this person's helping over here, and Demas have left me having loved this present world. But in chapter 2, he practically challenges him in, um, in, in practical ways. At the beginning, he says, I want you to be strong in the graces in Christ Jesus. Be strong in letting God help you. Verse number two, he tells him, I want you to take the things that I've taught you, and I want you to pass them on to other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he's telling Timothy, Timothy, lean upon the grace of God. Stay low. No one ever fell off the floor. <laughs> uh, humble yourself. Let the grace of God help you. And then he tells him, teach somebody else what you know and give it to faithful men who can teach someone else what, what you've taught them. Then chapter 3 says, I want you to endure hardness like a good soldier. Most of us admire soldiers. I sure do. Uh, I admire men, men and women who serve in our military. 
Because usually they're selfless. They're fighting battles that don't necessarily directly affect them. They're thinking of others. They're simple. They're not going over there with entertainment centers. They just got what they need to get in there, get the job done, and get home. Uh, They're strong. They endure hardness as the strong soldiers. Usually they have strength that is very helpful. He said, I want you to be strong. I want you to be selfless. I want you to live simply. And I want you to be submissive. One of the things that anyone who's ever been in the military knows that they spend several weeks breaking the will of the man in boot camp. That's what they want to do. They want to teach them. Many folks who are uh, very vibrantly used of God oftentimes are ready to serve God because they've been in the military. They're used to taking orders. They're used to trying to please the one who, who, who they're responsible to. And years ago, I just talked to a man to, on, on Sunday, excuse me, Friday. And he said, Pastor, I was a pastor, but I got, I got saved in the sailor ministry out at the gymnasium, at the DeCoster Gymnasium at Howells Anderson College as a sailor coming from Great Lakes. I met a man named Matt Nettesheim. He's been a friend of mine for several years. I've had the joy to preach for him. He has a vibrant church in near the Chesapeake, Virginia area, probably five, 600 people now, that he got saved as a sailor in this ministry. And, you know, they, they just kind of learned a few. They got discipline. They got selflessness. They got structure and submission. And uh, they just, they go on. He said, I want you to have that, Timothy. We talked about that. The next thing he says is, I want you to be an athlete. Look, if you would please, at verse number uh, five. And read it out loud with you, would you please? If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not? And basically, he said, I want you, he said, and of course, Apostle Paul was very familiar with the athletics. He uses numbers of illustrations. I don't know if he was an athlete, but he certainly related that. He talked about wrestling, about fighting, not as one who beateth the air, running a race. If he did actually write the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about that we're compassed about what's so great, a cloud of witnesses. The whole chapter 12, it has to do with running a race. And when you run your race, don't forget the fan base. Don't get loaded down with junk. Don't, don't cripple yourself. Run light to run right. He says, then he, said, he says, uh, focus, looking unto Jesus. He said, you've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Hey, listen, whatever you think you're down to the bottom, reach down a little deeper and get a little bit more and keep on going. He said, you can, don't, don't, don't keep fighting. Don't, don't think you, you have to give up. Keep going. He says, don't get mad at the father who's the coach. He said, when he disciplines you, he chastens you. Don't get angry with him. Everyone that, that serves God and that faithfully is a son of God, he's going to get disciplined. You've heard, the, you've heard the coaches say, no pain, no. I would argue with them and say, no pain, no pain. <laughs> That'd be great, you know, but that's not what coaches do. That's not what I did when I was a coach. I want to make sure that there was discipline there. I want to make sure that there was hardship so they could be able to play in the game like we practiced in practice. And uh, so he would talk about that. But here he says, if a man striveth for mastery, he wants to be good at something, he can only win if he strives lawfully. The things we admire about athletes and disdain about athletes, what we admire is their discipline. And we also admire that they are, they are willing to, to, to stay in the rules. 
There was a fellow who rode bicycles, and he was, he was world-renowned for riding bicycles. And, 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 uh, but then we found out that he was dopey. And he had to turn in all of his, his rewards. And boy, he went from, really went from a hero to a zero real fast. You know, guys that uh, would crank a baseball, and then we found out they were taking steroids. You know, after they get a baseball, their body just shrivels down because they were, they were dopey. And even all the things that go on, it's just, uh, you know, we, we, we love baseball players, but then we find out they're gambling on the game they're playing on. And all of a sudden, like, ah, you got to play within the rules. He says, no one's going to strive unless he strives lawfully. It doesn't matter how good of a catch you make, if your foot's on the out-of-bounds line, it doesn't count. you got to play within the rules. And all of us, God has given us rules in this life to play within the boundaries. I oftentimes will tell men when I meet with them that when God made the first man, Adam, he gave him three things right out of the box. He gave him a responsibility to dress and keep a garden. Number two, he gave him a rule, don't eat that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And number three, we're going to start a relationship with me and now with your new bride, Eve. And usually when men are a train wreck, they're a train wreck in responsibilities, rules, and relationships. And relationships are work. It's not easy. You don't have a good relationship because you want one. You have a good relationship with God and with others because you work at it. Because you subdue your own, your own selfishness and your own desires, and you can't have it only your way. There has to be work. There has to be selflessness. There has to be a spirit-filled life to have the relationships to the optimal way. But he says, listen, Timothy, I want you to be like a teacher. Pass on what you know. Be strong in God's grace. Be like a soldier. And I want you to endure hardness as a good soldier and seek to please the one who puts you into the battle. Then he says, look, be like an athlete. Be disciplined and play within the confines of the rules. Listen, if you're, a, if you're married, then you have rules. If you're single, the Bible tells us, keep thyself pure. If you're married, keep thyself pure. There are some things that you know you're not supposed to do. Don't do them. They'll sideline you. They'll put you out of the hall of faith. There are people who are great athletes, and they, they, could, have, they could have been uh, applauded greatly, and now they can't even go to the hall of fame because they didn't play within the rules. I can't help but think there are many wonderful servants of Christ who did run well, who did a really good job, but then they got out of the rules. And that's a way that you can really blow it. You don't take your way, yourself to hell. If you're saved, you're saved. But you're ruining the opportunities to be rewarded by a God who wants you to have a good eternity, to want you to have a good judgment seat. And boy, we, we always need to realize ourselves, wherever you are in life, if you're 8 or 82, you're never done until you're done. Be faithful. Always be vigilant. First Peter tells it like this, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you some people he likes to get on to? People that are weak. People that are weary. People that are wondering. People who are, uh, who are wounded. 
I think if you were if you were to see a lion or a group of lions on a on a on a on a big uh, a herd of antelope or something of that nature, they would try to find someone that's getting away from the flock. So don't get away from the flock. Stay faithful to the Lord. I think they find someone who is who is in the work, but they're getting weary of the work. They need to be refreshed spiritually. You ought to always serve the Lord. Everybody ought to be doing something all the time for God. Every day do something for God. But the truth of the matter is, you gotta, to be a good Martha, you need to be a good Mary. You need to spend time with the Lord so that your service is an outgrowth of your love for the Lord. But uh, don't get wounded. When you get hurt, deal with those things. Forgive those who have, who have offended you. So many times Satan gets us through weariness. He gets us through wondering for, uh, uh, for weakness and then to woundedness. We get wounded and then all of a sudden everything keeps pushing on that wound. And then we find every excuse in the world to get away from the Satan just jumps on us and destroys our life. Play within the rules. That's what I think Paul is telling Timothy. If you strive for mastery, if you want to win this thing, if you want to, to be all God wants you to be, Make sure you strive lawfully. Stay within the rules that God gave you. And whatever your rules are, you know you got the same Bible I've got. We're at different paces. We're at different stages of life and different paces in which we're running. And different. We're not in a race with each other. We're in a race uh, with ourselves and our own potential. But stay in your lane. Don't step out of the boundaries that God gave us and the rules that God gave us. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. We're looking at verse number 6. He makes the next illustration. The husbandman that laboreth must first be partakers of the fruit. He speaks here of a farmer. How many of you ate lunch today? Would you raise your hand? You ate something today? Some of you might be on a fast, but most of you, uh, we ate something. And if you ate something, you can thank a farmer, a husbandman. Somebody who, who took the land and either fed cattle on it, fed pigs, fed chickens, did something there, or they planted something on it and they, they harvested it, and that's why we enjoyed lunch today. He said, look, as a husbandman, he has to labor. And I think he tells Timothy, Timothy, I want you to be faithful, and then I want you to be fruitful. And the key to being fruitful is to being faithful. I've watched a couple of Sunday school classes and some adult teachers and then some also some children's teachers. And I've watched them as they work that class, their class starts working. I saw them start with one or two people and I walked by their room this morning and I'd see eight or nine, ten or twelve. And thinking, you know, there's somebody working that class. Somebody's loving somebody. Someone's doing something. And you know, the truth of the matter is all of us ought to work. Work is not a curse. It's a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. It's a good word. Jesus worked. His Father worked, he says. He commends us to stay in steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I think he's challenging Timothy. Listen, keep working. Like a husbandman that laboreth, a farmer. The things we admire about farmers is they're hardworking men and women. Let me just tell you something. The, the soldier usually gets a little more recognition. 
you oftentimes will see soldiers standing in the, in the White House being put, given awards and publicly acknowledged by our, our head of, our chief, our, our um, commander-in-chief and others. They, if a soldier has done his job, they oftentimes will have their blues and they'll have all these things. Like when you see a Brother Vogel, who's certainly been used of God and used of our country to really fight and do a great job as a soldier, they're decorated and they should be. Athletes, you know, after the last game of the World Series, what can you expect on the front page of the paper? The champions. You know, the Olympics is over, and whoever gets the gold medals, they're going to be on the weedy box. They're going to be applauded. They're going to be having sponsorships. They're going to be someone who will be that after the NBA Finals or after the College World Series or whatever, or football national championship in January. We know the next day it's going to be highlighted. These guys are unbelievable. When's the last time you saw a farmer on the front page of the paper with his pitchfork? You don't see them too much, do you? You don't see them out on their tractor too much. I mean, they, you might have a few, few things here and there, but farmers don't get a lot of applaud. But I'm telling you what, the athlete hasn't fed your face very often. But the farmer has. And you know why? Because they're hardworking. Paul is telling Timothy, listen, in the service of Christ, be strong in the grace of God. In the service of Christ, take the things and remember, it doesn't end with you. Pass it on to someone else who can teach other people to do the same. Be a good soldier. Live simply. Live selflessly. Uh, be strong in the areas that God's called you to do. If you're an athlete, be disciplined and play within the rules. And then he says, as a farmer, be faithful and then be fruitful. All of us should want to be fruitful for the Lord. Let's look at the next verse. We'll look at two more concepts and we'll conclude this evening. Verse number seven, read it with me, would you please? Consider, kind of an interesting verse. In the middle of his illustration, he said, I want you to consider what I say and the Lord give you understanding in all things. Someone break that down for me. What do you think it means? Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. What's he telling Timothy there? Yes, sir, Lawrence? Yeah. He wants Timothy to be a thinker. He wants him to evaluate his responsibilities. Another passage of Scripture, he says, he said, I want you to do this, and I want you to give yourself wholly into these Meditate on these things. And one of the things, of course, we're weak in our day is that we don't think. We lack pensiveness. Just time, and we get so busy getting all the noise. And I gave some attention to that last week. But listen, friend, all of us ought to be thinking, what is God trying to say? And what understanding do I need to get from that? I think when you read your Bible, and here's a sin. And well, I should say maybe a sin. I thank God for anyone who reads your Bible. But here is not a good way to read. You have four verse, four chapters, whatever, read it, and then close your Bible and just take on the day. Well, I've, I've read my Bible. I prayed, so I'm going to take on the day. You know what I think it might be a good idea for us to do is to think about something. I think it's good to read four, five, ten verse chapters a day, more than that. Some of you are very good at doing that, and that's wonderful. But sometimes it might be better for you to meditate on two verses than to read two books of the Bible. You ought to be thinking about that. And I think Paul's telling him, listen, Timothy, I've given you this list of things. Be strong in grace. 
Pass on what I've taught you to other faithful people. Be a soldier. Be an athlete. Be disciplined. Don't take shortcuts. Stay within the rules. And be a farmer. Don't be lazy. Don't be slothful. Labor hard. Be faithful. You'll be fruitful. And then he says, now think about it. Consider what I'm telling you. Give yourself to that, and the Lord will give you understanding in all things. All of us would want God's understanding. But we also need to take our time to think. You know, the Bible says, while the fire was, bu- while the fire was um, burning, uh, my heart was musing, I was thinking. We have the, you've heard the words amusement park. It means no think park. Ah means no, muse means think. And boy, we're, we're so entertained. We have so much amusement. We're looking for the next thing we can do so we don't have to think. Spoken to people and they, they get into addictions because oh, I'm, I'm just too stressed, too pressured. So I just want to zone out. One of our favorite words there, I'm just chewing. I don't think it's a Bible word, and I don't think it's a Bible concept. I think you've got to be careful how much chilling you do. You might be careful how much hanging out you do. What are we doing is hanging out. That's, that's, that means you're not have purpose. You're not sober. You're not, you're not got something going here. And I think he's reminding me, consider what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in all things. And one more truth I'll share with you, and we'll conclude. Look at the next verse. Verse 8, read it with me, would you please? Remember that Jesus Christ... And he says, I want you not only to consider or think through it, but I want you to be someone who remembers the gospel. Everything you do, you ought to remember the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I have a friend of mine this week, and I went to their place of business, and I found out that someone very dear to him passed away. I mean, everybody in the whole business was just, was hurting. I mean, it was quiet, and everybody had their mask on, and I was like, what's wrong? I usually go in there, everything's fine. Oh, no problem, problem, big problems. And I found out that the owner's father passed away. And it grieves me. I was saddened to hear about that. But you know, every, everything that happens to us, we ought to be thinking, this should be to the furtherance of the gospel. When you have a hard time, on, and whether it is that you... Your car goes down, your tire goes flat, you've got uh, some kind of issue that's going on, your, your, your plumbing has problems, whatever happens. You ought to think, you know, is, Lord, is there anything in the gospel I need to remember here? Is there a purpose for this? Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27, I think, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Thinking, what can I do so someone else can hear about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ?